1: Attention, nerds! If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe
2: you can hire The Riley and Kimmy Show. He's winded up winded up willy
3: nilly silly old man. me, Winnie the Fool, and don't forget to remember to stay tuned to the Riley and
1: Kimmy show. And don't
0: forget to remember to keep on bouncing, says Tigger. <laughs> and bouncing is what one of us is really good at, and it's not me. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Right next to me is a person who is the best bouncer of the two of us, and that is... Kimmy! yes that is Kimmy right there she seems nice you don't I am quite nice and you can find that out just how nice I am at Megacon if you're in Megacon Orlando territory for the uh, next upcoming three days which will be Friday let me take a look at the calendar here Friday April 10th 11th and 12th as we will be incognito not actually if you just go right to our uh, website at Riley or any of our social media platforms, you can find out exactly uh, what we will be appearing as. And I, I hope, I hope you come up to us and don't be uh, too shy. Like some of our friends are, we actually have quite a few friends who are quite shy. Are they not, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. They are very shy. So don't be shy around us. Uh, come up and if you'd like to be part of a upcoming podcast at MegaCon, you can. You can do it in a couple of ways. One is, uh, you know, find us uh, as we're uh, out and about at Megacon, and you can tell us maybe some of the cool things that you saw, maybe some really, you know, nice celebrity, maybe something just went totally better than what you thought it would, and maybe some collectible or some item that you found or a panel that you went to. And another way is uh, really, really easy, because you might say, I don't have time to find you because I'm going to such and such thing, and I I want to be at that, and, or I don't want to get out of line to find you if I'm in line. That's simple. Just uh, use your smartphone and call our studio line, you can either do it during the show or right after uh, MegaCon. And give us a little recap of what's going on. And our phone number for our studio line is open 24-7. It's available right on our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. Kimmy, how are you doing for episode 462?
2: Woo, I'm excited.
0: Are you excited because of MegaCon? Uh-huh. I hope you're getting some rest in before uh, MegaCon time, because you're not going to get much sleep during that time period. I know, well, I'm trying. Oh, that that is good. So... One of the things uh, we have to do is get you all prepared for that. We've got to get the costumes ready and all that stuff mm-hmm. because we don't want you uh, preparing at last minute like you have over the years mm-hmm. at MegaCon. No. You know, I wish you would pay attention to some of our friends on uh, social media because, you know, some of them have been preparing since like Sunday or Monday of this week. They're already packing up the vehicle, the cars, uh, and shoes and things like that. Mm. Uh, one of our cosplay friends uh, who uh, does, uh, you know, Certain princesses and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. things and stuff like that. Holly, I think she packed up something like 20-some shoes or something. Oh, wow. Uh, some big amount. I mean, yeah, and wigs and things like that. Okay. You, know, you don't have that much stuff. No, in I comparison. Didn't. No, not at all. So get with it. We don't want you panicking and scrambling like the last minute. Now, if anybody's ever seen or read in the comic strips uh, Dagwood or you know Blondie, or if you've ever seen the movies, which I do recommend for... Nerds. That's Arthur Lake's films with Penny Singleton as Blondie. You have to see. Uh, you want to see what Kimmy's like uh, getting ready for Megacon. It's sort of like Dagwood flying out of the the house and running into the postman, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And I can't say postman back then because that's really what it was. They didn't have postperson back then. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was the postman. So yeah, that's Kimmy. He's just wham, and you know, flying and you know. Actually, we've had like the worst Megacon that you could ever have, not because of MegaCon itself, but because of that kind of scenario, Mm -hmm. that we could never top that ever again. And that is the time where we're going to MegaCon. It was a number of years ago. Uh, You're running a little bit late. And it's the way it had been the year before and the year before that and before that. And I think this is kind of where you kind of changed the game plan. You decided that I got to go a little bit faster is because that was the day the car, our past Batmobile, blew up. Mm. And <laughs> it blew up and uh, was towed to a garage as we we're supposed to be, you know, getting to Megacon and they went, "Uh, we're sorry, this car is DOA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we had to scramble to get a backup vehicle at that time period and, you know, but we did make it to Megacon. Yeah. Uh, that day, the mm-hmm. day it started. But, and then the, that weekend, uh, all kinds of other, you know, Bad things happened, and then we had a really bad photo with a celebrity. It was, just, it was a mess.
2: Wow, thanks for bringing all that up.
0: Well, it's kind of fun because, you know, if you want to see the really bad photo with a celebrity, <laughs> which, by the way, was with a photo company or photo, you know, subcontractor, however they worked it out with another photo, uh, celebrity photo place, uh, that Megacon no longer uses, thank goodness. Uh, we, I'll have that with me. And just come up to us at Megacon and say, I want to see the really bad. I mean, I guarantee this is the worst Professional celebrity photo you will ever see. I've never shown it to anybody where they go, oh, it's not that bad. Every because I always prep somebody say this is really bad because especially if somebody says, well, I didn't like my photo I just had. With somebody said, whoa, wait a second, I'll do this in line. You think that's a bad photo? Let me show you a bad photo, and I'll do that. Just come up to us and I'll say, all right, you want to see the bad photo? Here's the bad photo. We've got the best bad photo. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's, oh, it's bad. It comes the worst. We got the best. Yeah, it is. And it is on our wall of shame in the, the worstest of worst. Uh, yeah, it's it's on our wall of shame in our bat cave. But, you yeah, know, and I, I do save it as one of those for our frequent guests, you know, when they come through and tour. And, you know, they're looking at, you know, you with somebody and something like, oh, that's nice or that. And then they go, ooh. Yeah, and, and it's always that, ooh. And I know what they're looking at. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you found that photo. You know, it's like, ooh. I, should, you know, I thought about putting it at the end of a hallway like you'd walk towards it. Then I decided nobody would go down the hallway if they see that thing waiting for them. Mm. That's why I got it on the side so you don't kind of notice it. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're, you know, you're bopping along and you just kind of look over and go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just keep walking like get away from it. Mm. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. So... Uh, be sure to uh, stop by and you know say hi to us. Now, in all seriousness, before 462, uh, the night before or so, day before, I I've lost track because I'm getting ready for MegaCon. Uh, we went to a vintage movie. Uh, I'm very thankful to AmStar Theaters in Lake Mary and across the country. They're uh, they're showing you know, classic films every Tuesday and Wednesday night doing that. And they have been doing that for a period of time, but they're really doing it throughout April and May. We have an advanced schedule. We know what it is and everything, and it's available on Amstar's site if you have an Amstar theater in your area. And we just saw uh, my favorite Star Trek film of all time, which was The Wrath of Khan. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan from 1982. And I don't know if that's one of your favorites or not, Kimmy.
3: It is one of my favorites.
0: Yeah, it's it's probably my if I would, if somebody said, "What do you think William Shatner's best as Kirk?" I would say that is it right there Without in movies. A doubt. In movies. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily the TV series, but movies. I would say that is his best. Mm-hmm. Very powerful, actually, uh, in certain scenes, yes. and uh, especially well with him and uh, and Ricardo Montaban and also him and the young actor at the time who was playing his son, David. Um, I think are very good, mm-hmm. and of course Leonard Nimoy and him. Uh, the, the The death scene of Spock. Uh, when I saw the reboot, the retool, reimagination of it in the latest Star Trek film, uh, I still thought that this 1982 version was far superior. Mm-hmm. And it is. Especially when you add to the fact they didn't have the technology, the uh, you know, cinema magic uh, at their disposal, the CG type stuff and things like that. It, to me, is still more powerful. And actually, Shatner is very powerful in Nimoy in that scene. more mm-hmm. More so than... The reboot, although I love the reboot reimagination thing, don't get me wrong. I can they can both exist because they're two different universes in my, yeah. my mind,
2: and it especially hits you now, of course, because Leonard Nimoy's gone.
0: Yes, yes, it does, and uh, I'm very thankful that you said, "Hey, I want to go to that." I was kind of surprised that you did, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that, yeah, yeah, yeah it, uh you know, it's a movie we are very fortunate that it exists because it accidentally existed, and the reason it accidentally existed is Gene, and, and to me, it's also it plays. I want to tie Star Wars to Star Trek here. Um, cause some people get them confused, you know, when they say, oh, I love, they get the shows. The that's movies. right, Penny. Yeah, they do. And you have friends that do that all the time, get them confused. As a matter of fact, oh, one, yeah. of my, one of my friends uh, earlier before we sat down for 462, I was with my good friend Gabby, uh, that's his nickname, that's my good friend Earl. Uh, Gabby and I were talking about Star Trek, yet he called it Star Wars. Mm. I didn't correct Gabby, but I am now. But I didn't then. Because you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to embarrass him,
4: mm-hmm. I
0: wouldn't want to embarrass Gabby in front of people where we were at when mm-hmm. that happened. But I did. I, you know, I waited till now to do that. Anyhow, we were talking about you know Star Trek, and I can tie it into Star Wars. You know, the thing is, I think the best Star Wars movie so far is the second one that was released, and that is Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. And I think the reason it was probably the best is George Lucas was not directing it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with. Star Trek I think the second movie released was far superior to the first movie because Gene Roddenberry was basically removed from it Mm -hmm. and the reason was because Star Trek the motion picture which nobody wants to talk about was a complete bomb Mm -hmm. and being a complete bomb and it was you know Paramount almost uh, did not make another Star Trek and they gave it one more try and what they did was they gave it to somebody else and they I don't want to say bumped or tossed up uh, Gene Roddenberry to this official consultation type role, uh, role, and and Shatner talks about that too. You know how he was removed Roddenberry really from that. Roddenberry did not want uh, Khan to be utilized. He didn't want him to tap into that story. He he was but, he was not butchering, but he was just totally a, a stick in the mud with the script that came in. He was he was he and I I've seen this in like other you know science fiction magazines and stuff like that. He was ripping the dialogue that Monta uh, Ricardo Montalban was going to do. And he was just a negative person about it and did not want it made. Now, it's interesting the story that he, I believe, had scripted that I've heard that Star Trek movies, the current movies, you know, that are being done, have looked at as a possible third film or fourth film or, you know, whatever in their storyline. And I think they could pull it off now because of technology. And that script that almost was shot, and I'm kind of glad it didn't for one reason because we wouldn't have Wrath of Khan, uh... But the, the story was word the Guardian of the Edge of Forever, if you remember that, Kimmy, that's the one with Edith Keeler, mm-hmm. uh, is is tapped for the movie. And what happens is I believe it's the Romulans, could have been Klingons, but I believe it's the Romulans, discover the Guardian on the Edge of Forever. They go back in time, and they alter time. And what they've done is they prevent John F. Kennedy from being assassinated. And what that does is cause the space race not to happen, and uh, it, it causes the space program to totally not you know occur in the United States. And eventually causes Starfleet not to happen. Mm. And Spock and Kirk somehow are protected in some time bubble. They're aware of this. And so Kirk and Spock got to go back and make sure that that event of November 22nd, 1963 happens. Now, I don't think they could have pulled that off back then. First of all, it's too close to the Kennedy assassination in time. Uh, There's been too much open wound for that. Uh, I'm not saying it's a great thing to you know be talking about that subject matter. But I think they could utilize it now, especially as a time hop type thing. And maybe not have that as the key event, maybe something else. Um, But I think it could be tooled now with Chris Pine and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and look pretty cool. But back then, it was, uh, I mean, the studio went, what on earth are you thinking? The script ain't going to happen. And he was insistent that it should, Roddenberry. And they said, no, it's not. And they took a look at this other script. And they went, okay, this is the one we're doing. And they actually stripped down the budget. The budget was almost like nothing compared to the movie. Uh, the star trek the motion picture and they were able to pull this off so it's it's just a a cool thing when you sit there and look at all those things and they're able to do that Mm -hmm. and if you like the new star trek films by the way you gotta love wrath of khan because there is some references to well certain things in star trek number one with chris pine that is in this wrath of khan film Mm -hmm. i won't spoil that Mm-hmm. So a chance to check it out. Now, there's a sad note to this uh, movie that we saw because Kimmy uh, tapped me just before the movie started and gave me some really bad news. And um, it actually affected me for a bit for watching the film because somebody passed in the world of Hollywood. And, you know, a lot of people will not know who this is, which I think is unfortunate. Now, I will go to the official release of it. The Hollywood Reporter reported that Stan Freeberg whose freewheeling comic career in advertising garnered him worldwide acclaim and whose satirical entertainments abounded on television and radio and on records, passed away. He was 88 years of age. Now, Stan Freeberg died of natural causes at a Santa Monica hospital. His son and daughter, Donovan and Donna Freeberg, confirmed to The Hollywood Reporter. Now, Freeberg, whose inspirations were Jack Benny, Fred Allen, and Norman Corwin, Worked in cartoons for decades starting in the 1940s at what age, Kimmy? Mm, 19. He was 17 years old, just out of high school. Okay. Actually got on a bus, said, take me to Hollywood. They did. He was living in Pasadena, California. That is relatively close, but it's not that close, for, especially a 17-year-old back in the 1940s. And he went to Hollywood one purpose, one goal. He had a suitcase in his hands. He was going to be in doing voiceover work in cartoons and stuff. 17-year-old went into an agency, actually found one, and they kind of laughed at him coming in. And they're like, yeah, kid, show us what you got. And he could imitate and mimic all the cartoon voices of that time period. And they're like, oh. And that's how it started, at 17 years of age. Now, he provided the voice for Junior Bear in the 1948 Chuck Jones Looney Tunes cartoon, What's Bruin' Bruin'? And he famously played the three pigs, the wolf as well, and the singing narrator in another Looney Tunes classic, the 1957's The Three Little Bobs. Now, he teamed often at Warner Brothers with the great Mel Blanc and also june foray now can you tell me who june foray uh, was the voice of something that she's really known for rocky the squirrel that's right and so many other characters too if you watch uh and rocky was not warner brothers but so many warner brothers cartoons she was like the prime voice i mean she was like the female version to mel no blank hmm. and he also worked with somebody else by the name of dawes butler who was in the Hanna Barbera stuff you know like uh, huckleberry hound and other voices they teamed up together eventually on uh freeberg's radio program and and comedy albums as well now freeberg also was a voice of beaver in disney's lady and the tramp in 1955 Mm. i know that's a favorite film of yours do you Mm. remember the beaver Mm -hmm. that's stan freeberg right there now for the feature looney tunes back in action in 2003 he was heard as a baby bear now early in the 1950s freeberg helped create and write the emmy award-winning comedy time for beanie now have you ever seen that uh thing Time for Beanie. now i have a very old nerd friend up in Normal, Illinois, who uh, grew up in Chicagoland, and he he would always go on and on about Time for Beanie. I've seen some clips of it; looks unique, especially when I take a look at it. That's from the early 1950s. Now the show was working with puppets, which the, the stand was a puppeteer hmm. as well, and it these puppets would perform on the show. And some people would say, well, it was kind of droll and off the wall, and it did had off the wall humor. And it appealed to so many fans across the country, including Albert Einstein. It was his favorite. But during the time Beanie was being written in its early days, well, Stan Freeberg and those who were with him, including Dawes Butler, did not have an office. They would write in coffee shops at night. They would also write in cars. And they were not their own cars. Their agent told them that he had a friend who had a car, a convertible... And they could go right on, on, for example, Sunset Boulevard and whatever street. And they would, and then they find out somebody come and go, Hey, what are you doing in my car? This is real. Mm. And they get kicked out and they go running, and, and Stan would be carrying his typewriter. And, and I'm not kidding. And then eventually their agent said, Hey, I got a place, man. I got a place. We got a new office. Uh, it's, being, it's being remodeled. Well, it turned out to be a, a condemned building okay. that they were in, but they didn't realize that right away. And there's a lot of stories about that. And you can find that in Stan Freeberg's autobiography, which Kimmy got me, oh, not that long ago. I think you got that for Christmas for me, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And it's a great book. And it's titled, It Only Hurts When I Laugh. What are you looking at? That's the book. I have the Trying book. Trying to right. help you. Well, oh, I have the book right there. Okay. I brought it for show and tell. It's Stan Freeberg's book. Anyway. Do you need it? No, I don't need it. No, I do not need it. I've read it. I don't need it, Kimmy. But I recommend anyone to uh, read it because it's a great book. And when he goes in details about the the creation of that show and other programs as well and things like that, I mean, it's really cool. Now, if you like Weird Al Yankovic, Weird Al Yankovic would not exist if it wasn't for Stan Freeberg. Now, Weird Al called Stan Freeberg a major influence on his career. Quote, Very sad to say that one of my absolute all-time heroes has passed away. That's what Yankovic wrote on Twitter. He also wrote, R.I.P. Stan Freeberg, a legend, an inspiration, and a friend, unquote. Stan Freeberg also was known for his musical parodies. He won a Grammy Award in 1959 for his best performance, documentary, or spoken word for the best of the Stan Freeberg shows. I thought on the Riley and Kimmy show, what we do is pay tribute to this comedic genius. Uh, to me, he is the prime example. Only one other person I'll put right next to him, and they're they're a little bit different what they did, Uh, for the golden age of radio, as masters, as the top of their game, as the best of the best. The one would be Orson Welles, and the other is Stan Freeberg. And I hope people will give this a chance, because Stan Freeberg influenced so many individuals. He was ahead of his game, Uh, he would challenge censors, Uh, he would make fun of just about anything, and got away with it, and it was brilliant. Especially consider the time period things were done. A mind that was always active. And, you know, I, it's somebody I really regret I never had the opportunity to meet. One of our friends to the Riley and Kimmy show in Normal, Illinois, a different one, by the way, in Normal, Illinois, who was from Hollywood, California, originally Pasadena as a kid, and then moved to Hollywood and worked in Hollywood. And, matter of fact, uh, was my mentor, starting me in broadcast, knew the late, great stan freeberg and i wish i could get him part of our show i have a call out to him because he does have some stories about stan freeberg and i'd love to hear those directly but what we're going to do is go back in time to old time radio the golden age of radio the theater of the mind and what we'll do here is play one of stan freeberg's radio shows now this show really shocked individuals in its day it was a replacement for the jack benning program which by the way he was a big fan of stan freeberg was and you know Benny was by this time period, he was doing radio at first and then did radio and TV at the same time, and then eventually said, you know, I just want to focus on the television end. So Stan Freeberg was the replacement. And in 1957, the show came on, and it was a tough sell because uh advertisers didn't like the fact that he made fun of advertisers. And he did. And he refused to allow any tobacco products to be marketed, presented on his program. He was very anti-smoking and did not want them to be part of this which was, at this time period, rare because they were part of radio programs. A lot of times they were a big sponsor. So CBS did not have that sponsor or any of the tobacco uh, companies available. They, they just couldn't do that. And they could not find a sponsor. So he and they, CBS, went around and around. Matter of fact, one of the episodes, he actually sponsors the entire show himself. He buys mm-hmm. the advertising the show and, and promotes himself in this funny, bizarre, weird way. And as he's noting nobody will advertise (laughs) and it's pretty cool another one that's i mean they're they're all brilliant pieces and we're going to give a sample of one right here which i think stands out it's with dawes butler a voice of huckleberry hound and so many other cartoon voices that's why this is ear candy you will spot or hear go wow i know that voice or wow that's an interesting read of something if you like voiceover stuff this will be fantastic for that what this is is as freeberg was fighting with censors CBS's censors at times he decided to make fun of CBS and CBS's censors and he does that with an episode that is called basically the CBS censor and they didn't really love this Anyhow, it's from August 18th 1957 and you could hear sort of really what was going on with the Stan Freeberg show from a you know the conception of the episode is what it's about and how the censor says well you can't say that you have to change that because you're going to offend people by saying that so you got to change that that's not funny and he goes through this thing with Dawes Butler Dawes Butler plays the censor and it is just cooler than cool to me. It's ear candy. So please give it a shot, give it a listen, you can share it with anybody. It's a fun thing. And if you love comedy, you love weird Al Yankovic, you like that kind of humor, you will love this. Be sure to tell everyone about it. Going back to August eighteenth, nineteen fifty seven, here's Stan Freeberg. Good
1: evening. Well, this was the night we were going to bring you tap dancing around the world, but due to a jurisdictional dispute between the four step brothers and Mrs. Arthur Murray uh, it'll have to be postponed a bit But it's great to be with you tonight We have a... Uh, special... Pardon me, Mr. Freeberg, but my name is Tweedley Well, we all have our problems <laughs> I am the censor from the Citizens Radio Committee And, uh, I feel... You, uh, th- from the Citizens Radio Committee, you say? it's exactly what I said, yes mm-hmm. And why? What I... is your purpose in being here? I must okay all the material used on your program here And I think the best method is to just sit back here and interrupt when I feel it's necessary. You mean you plan to stop me every time I do something that you think is wrong? Exactly. I'll just sound my little horn like this. And then you stop, and I'll tell you what's wrong. Uh, Somehow I can tell this is going to be one of those days. (laughs) You just go right ahead, Mr. Freeberg. Don't mind me. Yeah, now I'd like to sing. (laughs) You forgot to say thank you, Mr. (laughs) Freebird. Politeness is an essential in radio programming. Your program goes into the home. We must be a good influence on children. I see. uh, Well, uh, that's a nice little horn you have there. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much, Mr. Tweedley. You're welcome, I'm sure. I'd like to sing a old river song in honor this week of National Mississippi Riverboat Paddle Wheel Week. (laughs) Mr. May, if you please. Very polite, Mr. Freeber. Thank you. Old Man River, that old man... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tweedley. Politeness, I dig, but what in the world is wrong with Old Man River? The word old has a connotation some of the more elderly people find distasteful. I would suggest you make the substitution, please. I suppose you insist. Precisely. You may continue. Okay, music. Uh, you forgot to say, say, say thank, thank you. you. Yes, okay. Thank you, Mr. Tweedley. You're quite welcome, I am sure. Elderly man river. That elderly man river. He must know something. But he don't say nothing. I right, hold it, fellas. Now what, Tweedley? The word something, you left off the G. That's authentic. Something. Something. Uh, that's the way the people uh, I'm sorry. talk uh, down there. What? The home is a classroom, Mr. Freeberg. I know you said that. Keep in mind the tiny tots. And furthermore, think back. You'll recall that you said, But he don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. That was in quotes. Now, really, Mr. Freeberg, that's a double negative. Do you mean he does say something? No, I just wasn't using my head, I guess (laughs) I mean, after all, it should be grammatically correct Keeping in mind the tiny tots, yes You probably mean he doesn't say anything I I, I suppose I mean that, yes, I guess (laughs) All right, uh, fine, you win All right, Billy, music Uh... Thank you, thank you (laughs) You're welcome, I'm sure Elderly man, River That elderly man, River he must know something, but he doesn't say anything. He just keeps rolling,
3: rolling. He just keeps rolling along.
1: He don't doesn't plant taters, potatoes. He doesn't plant cotton, and them, these, those that plant them are too cool forgotten. But elderly man, river, it's just
3: us for all and alone. Excellent. You and me.
1: The uh, the tiny tots again, was it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Here we go. Button, Mr. Tweedley We when we're licked. Well, that concludes Elderly Man River Now turning to uh, The uh, sports page here Oh, yes And thank you for being with us Mr. Tweedley You're welcome I am sure you Once more, we present Mr. Robert E. Tainter, the man who looks for the dirty linen in the history hamper. Here he is, Bob Tainter. Uh, thanks. Uh, when did you get out, Bob? This morning. Uh, I thought you were doing 30 days. I was. But I got in touch with a friend of mine in the DA's office. He's a big wheel, Stan. A big wheel. Pretty big, huh? Yes, he might do you some good sometime Well, I don't think that's going to be necessary (laughs) You never can tell, Stan (laughs) Yeah, well, how did he uh, get you out? Well, uh, you know the confidential magazine trial? Mm -hmm. A lot of movie stars are suing the magazine for libel Yeah, there's some pretty unpleasant testimony there Yeah Confidential figures on laying it on the stars Pretty good, Stan I know well, when I told this wheel was, why don't I see what I can get on the folks over at Confidential?
4: <laughs>
1: he, uh, went for it. I think it's kind of a cute switch myself. <laughs> yeah, that's a darling idea. Uh, what item of soil, linen have you dug out of the history hamper for us tonight? Well, it's a scorcher stand. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> Did you ever hear of Giacomo... Casabianca? Yeah, wasn't he on the Ed Sullivan show? (laughs) No, that's another Giacomo Casabianca. The guy I'm talking about was a boy in history. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the linen stand. My good friend, Ertwing Somber, will fill you in. Wait a minute, you mean THE Ertwing Somber is a good friend of yours? Oh, I got a lot on this cookie stand. (laughs) Got a few minutes, I'll... uh... No, no, let's just get on with it. Mr. Somber, if you please. Great moments in history, but what is the real story behind these moments? The time is August in the year of 1798. The event, the Battle of the Nile. The flagship of the fleet has blown up and caught fire. A young lad with jaws clenched stands on the bridge. All right, boy. The time is now. Go stand on the burning deck. First you give me the money. Then I'll stand on the burning deck. <laughs> oh, Bob Taylor, that was awful. I don't believe it. Each man has his own stool pigeon, Stan. Yeah, but that boy, Casabianca, was a hero. Well, so was my grandfather until he chickened out on Custer's last stand. (laughs) Let's get lost, will you, Bob? I want to introduce Peggy Taylor. Sure, Stan. No offense. Mm, Here she is, Peggy Taylor. Well, Peggy, I want the folks to know more about you, you
2: know. Oh, well, like what, Stan?
1: Well... Now, in interviews, it's kind of standard practice to ask about hobbies. Hobbies? Yeah, that's right. Well,
3: see, when I was a little girl, I raised rabbits.
1: You mean you had the rabbits and they raised themselves? (laughs)
4: Yes.
1: (laughs) More to the point. Pardon me, Miss
3: Taylor. Oh, yes, Mr. Taylor.
1: Where did you get the rabbits?
3: Well, they were given to me.
1: It could be the old payola, you know, Stan. Oh, stop it, will
3: you? My father gave them to me.
1: There. Now you're satisfied? Sure, Stan. Maybe she had something on her father. Oh, just quit it, will you? Peggy wants to sing. Yeah? My friend at the DA's office will be glad to hear that. So will a lot of people. Sing, will you please, Peggy?
3: Walk-a-by, your baby with a Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie. Hang that cradle, mammy mine, on that Mason-Dixon line and sing out from virginia to tennessee with all the love that's in ya weep no more my lady sing that song again to me so soft and low just as though you had me on your knee a million baby kisses I'll deliver the minute that you sing that swarthy river. rock a your rock baby with a Dixie melody. rock a your baby with a Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie. Hang that cradle, mammy mine, on that Mason-Dixon line, and sing out from Virginia to Tennessee with all the love that's in ya. Weep no more, my lady, sing that song against me. So soft and low, just as though you had me on your knees. A million baby kisses I'll deliver The minute that you sing that funny river rock your bye you rock baby With a dick
1: panel of experts are with us once again tonight. Mr. G.L. Spoon, Miss Edna St. Louis, Missouri, and Dr. Linus Quartz. I am your moderator, Fulbrook Mason. Now, to meet the panelists, first of all, Dr. Quartz, I believe you received your doctor's degree at MIT. Uh, what was your fee? <clears throat> I received my doctor's degree in Little Orphan Annie. Uh, that was my major. Uh, my minor was Little Abner. Next is Edna St. Louis, Missouri, who received her master's degree in Tarzan.
2: Yes, the uh, subject of my thesis for my master's degree was Tarzan and the Ace and his uh, influence on the 20th century culture. Mm, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Now, our third panelist, G.L. Spoon, a roving reporter. And you covered the comic strips, didn't you? Uh, that's right. The funnies are my beat, yeah. And what school did you attend? Well, uh, I didn't attend any school as such. Uh, Let's just say I'm from the school of hard knocks. That's not original, but it's very apt. I see. I, uh, may not have any doctor's degrees like some other people around here, but, uh, I'll go on the $64,000 question anytime with my subject. And that is? Dick Tracy. <laughs> I don't see any reason to go around there with a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Spoon. Look, I haven't got any chip on you my have, shoulder. You have a chip on your shoulder. It's I do obvious. Not, I do not have a chip on my shoulder, Dr. Coyton. I don't have to go to college to learn about Dick Tracy. Uh, 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 gentlemen, uh, gentlemen, uh, gentlemen uh, if you have anything to say, please, please raise your hand. Uh, please raise your hand. Uh, right? Now then, the first question today is sent in by a listener, is... Uh, why doesn't Tarzan do as much swinging as he used to? Dr. <laughs> what? too old for it.
2: Oh, no, no! wait a minute, Doctor. Tarzan's my subject. Furthermore, he's not too old. It's the man just... is too old. No, to you know, know, no, no. It's know. it's just that his vines aren't so good as they used to be. <laughs> uh,
1: actually, I think we can dispense with that vine stuff, Miss Missouri. We all know that he uses ropes.
2: Oh, wait a minute. He doesn't use ropes? I guess I ought to know. Yeah. Tarzan uses real genuine ropes. See? I, I mean, he uses vines. Well, look, hey, uh,
1: vines, vines the ropes. The fact is, a 72-year-old man is not going to go swinging across the ravine. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. you man a I
2: don't think little orphan Annie will ever see 45 again at this. Wait, wait. I mean... I noticed that in her dialogue, balloons. a little senile, eh? Yeah.
1: Well, I, I think the way she's handling those criminals in the canyon there it doesn't look like the work of an old lady, does it? Yeah. Oh. Well, all right, no, let's, let's I don't uh, think an old lady. Line, uh, 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 we get on to the next. Whip time. those criminals. But she's a nice uh, old woman. Uh, <laughs> could we please? please. please. You have any Girls, girl is eight years old. I, know, I know, but we get on to the next question. I think we have completed. That she dyed her hair to yes, get a red she dyes her hair. <laughs> Oh, you're a real card aren't you? Yes, you know. That uh, Mr. Spoon, did you? you have your hand up? I certainly did. In oh. fact, you went to sleep. Oh. <laughs> we're going to talk about criminals here. I think we should leave that to the Dick Tracy expert. Oh, that's it. That's a wonderful idea. All right. Now, here's our next question. Is in Plenty really guilty of the triple murder? Now, we're uh. getting somewhere. Never mind, Anna, It's it? Dull stuff. Dull. What do you mean, dull? <laughs> no. dull. Let's talk about some of the orphan anti-characters. Punjab, for instance. Now, there's a man. Oh, Punjab. Punjab, it sounds like a misfriend. That's <laughs>
2: Could he drop a leopard with a four inch letter opener?
1: They just throw
2: his cloak over the leopard.
1: Wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, wait a minute. I got my hand up. I got my one one at a time. Sure. Look. I was not you got your hand up boy. All right, I'll You know, was... you know. Listen, your aunt's still, still asleep. You yeah, let me talk, I'll have the language. <laughs> I was under the impression we were talking about Dick Tracy. That's that's correct. Are we going to play the game?
2: Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Dick Tracy is such a world beater. How come he let Mora sister-in-law put a 38 caliber bullet in his skull?
1: Yeah, how about now, how that? Come... It was a 22 short, and it was just a flesh wound. It didn't actually enter the skull. Shall we just stick to the? Question, there's a man I, I, just, I just want your opinion. <laughs> that girl in the skimpy dress shot him in the head. Yeah, and I, uh... I, I just, that, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, of the radio audience, these are the opinions of our panelists and <laughs> do not necessarily represent the opinions of CBS Radio and its affiliates. <laughs> now the uh, question well, I, uh, the question is now, is Morin Plenty guilty? Hmm? Miss Missouri?
2: Guilty. Hmm.
1: Dr. Coyd? Not guilty. Right. Mr. Spawn? I can't express my opinions on this because I may be called in as an expert witness at the time of the trial.
4: <laughs> I,
1: uh, I guess we, we have a hung jury here tonight. Yeah. Well, the the next question I uh, subject uh, is wardrobe. Wardrobe. Yes, wardrobe. Does or does not Orphan Annie have more than one red dress? <laughs> dr. Floyd's hand shot up. You're first. Ah, uh, yes. The man who uh, received his doctor's degree in Little Orphan Annie. Mm-hmm. You have got to keep rubbing that in, don't you? I'm not rubbing uh, it in, sir. I'm merely stating a fact. I have uh, a doctor's degree. Dr. Uh, 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 dr. dr. Floyd had a, yep. band, you
0: know, up a uh, yeah. And
1: when he was a little kid, he was a little fat, spoiled kid. I can tell the yeah. <laughs> <Listen, sir. We're> type. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Boyce, had your hand up, please? To continue. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, he didn't mean that. I, may I please? Dr. I happen to know that Annie has a whole closet full of dresses. It's not the same dress. She changes them daily.
2: Daily. Oh, please. I can recognize the same dress day in and day out.
1: Madam, they are different. They are different dresses. That is a fact. Take it from me. That's my subject. She breaks them up with a nice little blue sweater Chic belt and scarf every once in a while. But
2: how does she break up those chic little white cotton stockings?
1: Wait, now she hasn't changed those stockings in 25 years. I, I take that as a personal affront, sir. A personal affront. I intended it as well. Even if it were the same pair of stockings, I think Annie would rinse them out every night. It's so like her. It's so like her. Oh, so like her. Listen, madam, you should look that good in white cotton (laughs) stockings. Rich or unrich? Hey, uh, White, that daddy Warbucks is a pretty wealthy guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Only one of the top billionaires in the world, that's all. That's all. Well, then why doesn't he spring for a few bucks and get her a home permanent? (laughs)
2: Really, look like a rat.
1: A rat's nest, eh? Hey, listen, madam, I noticed the Marcel has gone out of Tarzan's hair lately.
2: Well, in Are you kidding? Uh, just, well, he's, he's wearing one one a, a hairpiece.
1: What is well, wearing, hair oh, wearing a hairpiece. Tarzan hair was
2: Well, hair I suppose piece. that crew cut that Dick Tracy affected as a derriere crease.
1: Oh uh, no! Oh look at this gal. You hit a man when he's down and wounded. He's up. He'll he'll probably get amnesia. No, the man's back on his feet and uh, serves him right, the big jerk. <laughs> big jerk. That goes for caravan, too. Oh no! Just oh no! Me. Listen I, here, Doctor White Stocking. You so no, 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 no. uh, insulted uh, 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 the man. No, 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 no! Our time <laughs> <laughs> the the brings sanity, uh, and that's all. And now animals of our time. Yes, it I'm very sure. And a means people. And that means And that's all out of our show, face the Funnies. Now it's good night to Mr. G. L. Spoon. If vandals kidnap you, look for fingerprints on or about your person. That's a crime stopper.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, indeed it is. And Dr. Linus Quaint. Yai! Arf arf! Glorioski, it's been grand being here. <laughs> and, <clears throat> finally, Mrs. Edna St. Louis, Missouri.
2: Me, panelist,
4: you. Not <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so it's good night until next week. Listen, well,
4: Lennon, I, I can, uh, I
1: can take I, a break really now. And <laughs> 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 well, now for my next number... I'd like to uh, sing a favorite. It's a favorite of mine, and I hope it's a favorite of yours. It's called the Rock Island Line, and it goes like this. Now, this here's a story about the Rock Island Line. And the Rock Island Line, she run down into New Orleans. And just outside sort of New Orleans, oh, uh, there's a big me, cold gate yeah, me, and all me, the trains. Yeah, are you going to sing the song or read it or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to sing it. But uh, first of all, I always tell a little of the story behind the Rock Island Line, sort of
4: <laughs>
1: sketching a little of the background, as it were. You are going to sing it, though. Yeah, i get to it. Well, let's get to it, then, huh? Okay. And all the trains that come through the toll gate, try to get to pay the man some money. But, of course, if you got certain things on board, you're okay. You don't have to pay the man nothing. I mean, you're okay with uh, everything. All right, Oh, right. Let's oh, step shit. it right along. And let's snap it up. And snap it up. Okay. And just now, we see a train. She's coming down the line. And she went get up to the toll gate. The driver, he shot down to the man, he's saying, I got pigs. I got horses. I got cows. Look, you I got... can skip all of that. You didn't let me name all the animals. <laughs> yes, I know, but you let we me don't get... need you let me... that. You didn't let me get to the sheep. Well, that doesn't make any difference. Well, <laughs> makes a difference to the sheep. <laughs> yes, I know, but let's I mean, get the I mean, train I mean, rhythm going and never mind the sheep. Okay, half the driver he say... I got whole life stock, I got whole life stock, I got whole life, life I And mean, And I say, well, you okay, boy? You no, know, me well, 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 not. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I didn't mention the sheep. <laughs> I know, but let's skip the recitation. Well, I come to the best... Hey, let's get to the meat of... Yeah, the... I come to the best part now. I come to the part where the driver fooled him. <laughs> He, he fooled him? Yeah, he say, I fooled you, I fooled you. Look, let's just sing the song. Well, right? I let me tell how he fooled the tollgate driver will with a pig the iron. I mean you just sing the well, song? Well, that's the payoff for the routine, you know, I mean, I get big reaction to it in clubs. Yeah, will you just sing the song, please? Oh, okay, well, I do a Lot of people waiting to see out a story. Will you just sing the song? Come out, you know. <laughs> Will you just sing the that's song? Okay, you've been them, that's all. I'll take the chance. Okay. Hold the a rock in line. Here's the mighty good road. Hold on rockin' rock I... you sure you don't want the pig iron part. <laughs> okay. okay? The line is the line to ride. Hold the rock on in line. Here's the mighty good road. Well it's one right again, right a mic finding get sick of that sick. Oh rock a line. Mumbles. Watch this. Get your chickens at the station. Oh, get your ticket. Get your ticket at the station. Oh, get your ticket at the station. Oh. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to interrupt me, will you? Hey, B, C, W, X, Y, C. The cats in the carbon money don't fool me. <laughs> no, wait, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute. Just a minute. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? The a. <laughs> a, B, C, W, X, Y, Z yeah. with the cats in the cupboard? Yeah. I, I don't know, what has the A, B, C got to do with the cats in the cupboard? Well, well, it's got nothing to do with it, I don't know. I know, but is it a, is it a social significance of some kind? No, no, no. It's no. no, just a traditional... Lyric? I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a traditional you know, lyric. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much, and that'll be fine. I got one more chord. One more Hold Oh, the rock the line here's a mighty good road. Oh, the rock on line, it is a road to ride. Oh, the rock on the line It's the mighty good road. Well, if you want to ride, I got to ride. i like to fight, i got get stick of that. state. rock line. Is that it? That's the end. Yeah, I... I, I I, I just hope it sells without the pig iron part. That's well, all. You can forget <laughs> about the pig iron. Well, I'm out. just trying to get you in a little of the background. You know, yes, I'm sketching a little of the background. You're gonna, you gonna release the record? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Also, that's uh, part of my latest Capitol album entitled A Child's Garden of Freeburg. Capitol album number X144250. Well, I'd like to tell you about next week's show, but the entire script blew out of my producer's car and he was arrested as a litter bug. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) As soon as he gets up bail, why, I'll let you know. I hope you'll be with us next week. Meanwhile, this is Stan Freeberg saying thanks for being with us. God bless you, and good night. Stan Freebird show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg, Pete Barnum and Dawes Questler. Featuring the music of Billy May, Doug Thomas for the Bears, the songs of Peggy Taylor, the Doris Butler, Peter Lee, and June Parade. Bud towards speakers.